The following is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm sitting here today with Sam Katuri. How you doing, Sam? How's it going, John? Excellent. Well, for a beautiful day, you're surrounded by friends. Bart Hansen, got some wine in front of you. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, John. I'm good. Get right up in, in the, into yep. that oh, mic. Yeah, there. get into the mic. There you go. And Brian Casey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, John. This is nice to get together. This is a nice weekly club to taste some wine, talk about wine, have a good time. And we've got a lot going on. The weather's perfect. We're at the end of May and looking for the holidays coming up. Man, it's going to be a lot of fun. And what you guys have been in the fields now. So what is going on? Who wants to take it first? Sam? The big B word. Yeah, bloom. bloom. It's uh, we're in in deep. This is, uh, I mean, as far as fragile, critical moments through the growing season, this is about as fragile and critical as it gets. Um, grape blossoms are tiny, very fragile, and very susceptible to adverse weather conditions: uh, wind, rain. Hail! I don't want to say Rain it out. I don't want to say it out loud. Um, <laughs> anything, anything, looking, really anything. Looking at the, looking at, at them wrong. wrong. Yeah, totally. And so, <laughs> don't look at your vineyard right now. Explain shatter to everybody because it's a term we use a lot. So, when you see a, a bunch of grapes, um, you know, either you know about to be picked or even in the supermarket, uh, every single one of those berries was at one point a, a tiny little flower, and grapes are, are self-pollinating, so they don't need bees or anything, but um, those little flowers will eventually become those fruits, uh, and if anything disturbs them during this this phase, uh, they become nothing. And that shatter is what we call it shatter, because basically, if you shake a a blooming bunch of grape flowers, they shatter like uh, you know thin glass, and they go everywhere, and then you get nothing. You get no fruit. So uh, shatter is. Uh, I mean, and. And rain Look, is the number one cause of that, really, right? Rain, hail, wind, yeah. um, and but really, it's it's inevitable. There'll always be some, um, and that's okay, because you actually, if every single blossom became a fruit, you'd have too much. So you want, you know, yeah, there's, some natural, anyway, there's some natural right. amount of it, but when you get, uh, you know, more uh, sort of, you know, adverse weather conditions, that's when things get bad. In, in 2015 at Lassiter, the Malbec there had very bad shatter meaning there would be a, a stem of grapes with three grapes on a stem. Not and, good. And not good. <laughs> not not, not good, good at all. I mean, that's shatter. And that has nothing to do with any farming practices. It was just the way the weather was Nature. that year. Nature. Well, that, was, that was rain or wind? What, why was it just that the was, um Hail. That was hail. You actually yeah. got that hail. Was, no, that was, was quiet weather. I mean, that was cool weather. It was, it was a multiple. Remember, harvest, I mean, a bloom doesn't happen overnight. It needs seven to ten days. Yeah, and, and last year it was six weeks. Yeah. So we, we want it to be as short as possible because uh, because it's such a sort of tenuous time. Um, but I, I, it was basically a year ago today. We were standing here in this tasting room looking out into the parking lot, and it was 
you know, looked like a snowstorm. It was there was that much hail on the ground, and it was this oh, you know in the same right. kind of way. And, and it happens. Yeah, it happened a, a lot um, in Burgundy over the last few years, and it can literally be fifteen minutes. A, a little squ- you know, a little cell comes through. Fifteen minutes later, half two thirds your crop is gone, if and, not all. And it's also very you know property oriented. It, it, mm-hmm. it, your property may not get hit by it, but your neighbor might be devastated. Yep. Because that's the way hail works in general, right? Right. Huh. Well, uh, hope, hopefully everything's going to go okay this summer. I mean, it should be. I mean, we don't have any bad weather in the forecast or anything like that. We're heading into the holidays, which means people are going to be out. Uh, are you guys taking any time off, or do you work solidly over the holidays? Because it's an I, important I'm, time. I'm going on tour. Where are you going? By the time you listen to this out in podcast land, I will be somewhere between either uh, the Hollywood Bowl or Shoreline Amphitheater for Dead & Company shows. Oh, that's right. I'm, going, I'm doing three days? Four, four four shows, five nights on a, bro- on a bum leg. <laughs> uh, at, you know, probably older than I think I should be. <laughs> probably older than I could be doing this, but I'm going to try anyway. I don't, I don't know about yeah. that. You don't have to be too old to go <laughs> see uh, any part of the great No, 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 no. We were just I'm talk- too old to go to five shows and f- four shows and five nights. <laughs> yeah, especially with the bum leg, man. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll hey, see. nonetheless, you know, so. Bart, you were talking about the Grateful Dead before we even went on today. And, uh, Must be something about this tasting w- house. Well, yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, there's a big connection here, and I was just reading some cool stuff uh, about Robert Hunter mm. and the latest Rolling Stone online. So it's interesting. I remember having that first copy with Jerry Garcia on the cover, the old folded Rolling mm. Stone my, magazine. My dad has all newspaper, those. Yeah. yeah, when it was out of San Francisco. And now it's this flimsy little, you know, perfect yeah, it looks like people magazine. <laughs> so hopefully Jan Werner isn't listening to the po- I mean, hopefully he is listening to the podcast, but just not that part. <laughs> well, you know, Jim has been really, really nice to Sonoma, uh, the radio station, and everything else that goes on. He loves community radio. Cool. And loves podcasts and yeah. loves wine. So Great. That's a good Here's to Jan Werner. So. Yeah. Cheers. Anyway, so with the Equinox coming up here, there you go. <laughs> we Nobody's poured. I almost broke a glass. Bart, you weren't there last week um, over at Steve Law's Tasting Spa. Uh, tasting tasting lounge. 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 Uh, I damn near broke one of his glasses just clinking it too hard. That's why so. you notice I'm wearing the glasses today. Yeah, you got yeah. your safety shields on. I got my safety <laughs> shields on. Brian, it's okay. We know you can't Dangerous see. radio here. There's so that too. So what, uh, we're going to get into natural wines today. It's kind of a theme here. But I wanted to really focus right now on what you're doing organically mm. versus commercially out in out in the fields. What's Phil doing? And we'll mention Phil Kaduri. Obviously, organic farmer number one in the country. So, uh, and we talked about uh, I talked about this a little bit last week too. Is is um, you know weed control is a pretty important aspect right now. You're, you're keeping things from growing into the the fruit zone into you know where the the grapes are. Are you still uh, staring down the crop covers? You were t- uh, talking the, about them being five feet tall. For now, <laughs> by now they're all they're all down. <laughs> they're all down. It's um, sort of the more of the the cleanup side of it. Um, you know, you're, you're cleaning up directly underneath the vine rows. Um, and that's mostly done by hand weed eaters, uh, hose and hose and rakes and shovels uh, because, because we, because we don't no we don't use goats. Yeah. Uh, the, there are people who do the livestock and it's, yeah. it's cool. Um, but no, Ben Zinker's they're, talking about it. you know, they're not, um, fine tuned instruments. 
kind of blunt objects out there, and they'll especially goats will eat anything. So that's you know what you have growing on your vines. That's irrigation lines. That's you know you can't train them. You Bart. can't. It's you know I, I mean goat training will know what. Yeah, it, it's really you know sh- sheep for a very short amount of time is about it. Because like before Sam things said, start growing. Yeah, before things start growing, because goats will eat anything. And um, and sheep will start going after foliage once it's growing, so you got to get them yeah, early. So it, it's great and it works really well, um, but it's better for parking lots at Sears Point than it is maybe for vineyards. <laughs> to be go. honest, good, good fire protection. Uh-huh. I read um, in that article today. New Speedway Boogie was written about Altamont, about Altamont and I didn't yeah. know because at the time I wasn't living there. I had no idea that that. Sears Point, our raceway, mm-hmm. was where that Stones concert was going to be. It was going to be. Uh, and yeah. how different it would have been at well, Sears Point. I think if you asked uh, Steve Page at Sears Point right now if he's happy that it didn't end up there or not, he would say very much so. Uh, you know, that you know, the Altamont was at Altamont and not Sears yeah, Point. Yeah, I'm sure. Do I have somebody coming you in? You have the a guest, I think you might have okay. someone so at the door. He's kind of looking in the that, window. That's also cool. Put my knee- you know, so, and we are at the, at the Tasting House uh, with 16600 or 16 Boo. As 16 Boo, as Uncle Bobby calls it. <laughs> hey, Boo. Hey, Boo. So, <laughs> so you uh, got on this rant last week about natural wines, Brian. So well, I don't know if I was on a rant. Well, so but to, here, that's a good thing. Okay, I like that. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to, I was ranting then. Um, and what I was what I was kind of talking about is I, I'm hearing more and more this term natural wine. So I start hearing it from, um, you know, it's one thing when you hear it from people in the industry, natural wine. And well, then, yeah, we, uh, we talk about it, banter back and forth with it. Um, and then you start hearing, uh, you know, sommeliers talking about it. And then you hear how certain restaurants or um, um, tasting lounges or, or they're, they're focusing on natural wines so you, you know a restaurant will have a wine list and it's and it's focused on natural wines so and but then the more you listen to it you know you, there was no real um, definition of exactly what it was that that made um, a wine natural, natural wine yeah. and and i was listening to um, it's not uh, synthetic wine <laughs> no and uh i was listening to a psalm uh this this great um, song from Francis, uh, this woman talk about natural wines and she actually sells in, in the US market and her portfolio is exclusively natural wines. So she was able to kind of break it down a little bit to, to how, I, you know, how I could understand it. And the, the easiest terms was that uh, a natural wine is something where you're, uh, nothing is added and nothing is taken away. So sort of in the simplest terms. And then but then you start thinking, okay, well, well, what is normally added and what's normally taken away? Because I think if you talk to most consumers out there, their impression is that you guys are taking grapes, you're pressing them, you're putting them either in stainless steel or a barrel, you're waiting, and then you're putting it in the bottle. I would agree. Right? So, yeah. so, then, so then it begs the question, so what, what am I missing? What's going on um, that I'm not hearing about? So then I started to do a little research, and, and, and you kind of break down the, the winemaking in terms of uh, conventional, sustainable, organic, biodynamic, and natural, and see who's doing what and exactly. Yeah, I'll talk more about those, those categories, but keep going. Keep but, going. Well, because some are regulated and some aren't. So right. there's some have meaning and some don't. And right. It's <laughs> like, what was that old vine zen? Old vine right. zen, old can, vine be, zen. I mean, it can be 30 years old or 120 years old. I mean, no one really, they just kind of make it up. Um, so I, I just wanted to talk about exactly, you know, not that one is bad and, and one is good, but just in terms of people out there that, 
that uh, hear the term natural wine, like I was hearing, what exactly does that mean? And, and just to sort of break down additives and what people are adding to the wine or what are they taking away and, and, and why they're doing that. Um, and, and is it, is it all winemakers? Is it just some winemakers? And is it just about having uh, consistency and shelf life? Or is there more to it than that? So I just wanted to open up the conversation. Wow. That was a big open. Yeah, we have, I mean, we could probably do an Say entire there. series of podcasts on this topic. And, and maybe I, th- I think we should at least revisit it uh, from time to time because it's huge. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to let Bart go first, actually, because I have... Uh, deep historical family connections to the word natural wine and uh, how it's perceived in, in the United States. Um, but but I'm not a winemaker. I, I mean, I'm a winemaker, but I don't, I don't spend my life in a in a cellar making wine like Bart does. So I want to let Bart talk a little right, bit about no, I think it's perfect what goes Bart, in, what comes out, and then yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about it. Yeah, because Bart has worked for wineries, big and small. So he's worked for the big places that are doing a million cases and the, the people that I think are using God, these techniques and then well, for, yeah. actually fortunately I, I haven't worked for a winery doing a million cases uh, so, 500,000 500, okay okay so I'm, I'm gonna surmise my experience with it um, uh, I worked at Kenwood winery was my first job in the wine business and we were organic farmers on a, a few pieces of property and that was a big deal for us when was um, this this was 19, by the time they did it, it was about 1990 when it was certified okay, organic. Um, and that was it, Kenwood Vineyards? That it was, was certified Kenwood organic. Vineyards, yeah. It was mm-hmm. their property. So that was 30 acres. There was a property on Carragher Road called Yalupa that was 100 acres. Oh, I know that one, yeah. Okay. And so, and, and that was it. And we didn't do anything different in the winery. The winery, we treated it conventional. We added yeast, we filtered, we. Um, we, you know, find if we needed to, we, we did everything that was more UC Davis traditional. Um, and then my second job at the wine business in the wine business was at Benziger. And it was right at the time, this is 1998. And this is, uh, right at the time when Mike Benziger decided he was going biodynamic. I didn't know anything about biodynamic. I knew it was a higher practice of organic farming. So then I went through my almost 10 years there and again this is a whole nother conversation but then i started to really understand what it was natural winemaking you know mike would always say that we wrote the book on the biodynamic winemaking um to some extent well from public knowledge from from public knowledge and and, good job promoting and and and, and mike's interpretation (laughs) um uh but but and then and then from but that's where i learned how to make wine without adding yeast and understanding that if you're just patient and you pay attention that you don't have to have a lot of inputs with wine if you deliver really good grapes that don't have problems growing and haven't had uh, disease problems or pest problems or or you know rot problems then you can make really good wine without doing anything that's correct and so that's no oak sawdust in it. <laughs> no oak sawdust, no chips, yeah. right? No enzymes. I mean, I, and you know, it, it's all out there. Who knew well, that I, yeast exi- existed in the fields? I thought that was always something you. Well, added. you know, that's a whole. Yeah. That, and that it's be, everywhere. Th- th- this it's in be, this room right yeah. now. Yeah. And yeah. and that can be a whole another three or four discussions because, <laughs> you know, 
natural yeast is whatever yeast is around you, as Sam said. And if you have a winery that ever once used yeast, well, that yeast is in your winery. And, and the yeast that starts your fermentation, even if you add yeast, if you're a traditional winery, you add yeast, the yeast you add is most likely not the yeast that finishes the fermentation because there's so many types of yeast. So that goes back to then why would you add yeast if it's going to finish anyway? So uh, that's kind of my feelings about how, or that's my experiences how it's yeah. gone through. Um, I'll leave it at that for now because I feel like I've talked too much. <laughs> Not <laughs> at all. We could, and, and really, we could uh, we could talk for hours on this. And um, you know, my my uncle Tony. Okay. Go ahead. I'll all do right. it later. <laughs> my, my uncle Tony Katuri, um is pretty much known as the the godfather of natural winemaking in the United States. Um, you know, when he started doing his thing at the same time my dad was farming organically in, in the late 70s, everybody thought they were pretty crazy. Um, and the joke that I always say is they were they were still right. Um, was it just the low yields that they were getting that everybody thought they were crazy? No, or following it, was, a different it, was, path? it was because it was, you know. Um, just new and different. It, we're still coming out of a, you know, better living through chemistry kind of yeah. era. Um, DuPont wanted to make wine. I'm yeah, sure. and, and they, wine. they probably have. <laughs> I'm sure they own some wineries. Um, Remember all those all those um, fertilizers that were post-World War II oh, are, yeah. are all, you know. A chemical company based right. uh, fertilizer, petrochemicals, petrochemicals, yeah, and that's you know that was important. That's why everybody's got cancer now. And yeah, in the twenty twenty. So, so, but I, I think that um, when it comes to natural wine and the definition of natural wine, uh, the the hardest, truest. Uh, definition is exactly like the way my uncle makes wine. He talks about it being just grapes. They press the grapes, they put them in a tank, they let it ferment. They put it in a barrel. They wait a couple of years. They bottle. Like truly, just what you said, Brian. They don't add anything. Which they don't take anything away. If you've been out to that property, which I used to be a wine, I used to yeah. be a wine club member. Um, and <laughs> the, 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 the vines the look very, Coterie. very natural. Yeah. The yeah. the way they're they're storing the wines and aging the wines very natural process. I mean, you can tell it's 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 not a lab out right. there. At, no. for, uh, yeah. However, um, because of that, there are swings and home runs out of that winery, and there's swings and misses. Um, and, and from a business standpoint, it's very difficult to deal with misses, uh, if they keep happening and, and you lose the faith of the consumer and particularly the wine buyer, you know, on the, on the retail side. Um, so that's when some of the technology that's in a winery and, and even if it's just as simple as sulfur, uh, start to be used to, to maintain the confidence of the people who are buying the wine. Um, and that's definitely something that, you know, m my uncle had struggled with at certain points in his career. Um, you know, now he's kind of had this whole other sort of cult, cult figure uh, renaissance and people are buying his wine uh, because of some of that, you know, some of those, those inconsistencies and, and, you know, variants. Um, you know, from, from a standpoint, from our wine, um, and I think Bart makes his wine in, in a similar way, if you start with really good grapes, organically grown to a high level of uh, attention to detail, the, the reasons to manipulate it in the winery go away. Right. If, if the fruit comes in clean and healthy and from vines that were, that were doing well, um, you don't have to mess with it to make it do what you want to do. It's going right. to do it on its own. So, Bart, you just gave a big thumbs up on that one. It's like, that's your major point, right? 
if you yeah. get the wine, uh, the fruit correct, you don't have to mess with it in the lab. You you don't. And and you know I I do add sulfur during aging and bottling because. I'm not ready to take the risk that Tony's able to take with bottle variation. Nobody knows me. Tony's been at this for a long time. 40 years. And, and, right. and you know what? And, and wine consumers have changed now. There are people now, they go, oh, this, is, this has got some of the funkiness from it. And they like that. And to be quite honest, I kind of like it too because that funkiness can change into something beautiful. Right, you, it, it's all, it's all a matter of appreciating it for what it is. Now, a bad wine is a bad wine, and sometimes you have right. that. Yeah, right. And those can be nat, quote unquote natural wines, or as conventional as conventional gets. I mean, or or even over overworked and right. over manipulated yeah, wines. That is, right, and it, right? You know, just, I mean, a bad wine is a bad wine. If you have a wine that something goes wrong in the fermentation, and the VA, which is the volatile acidity for layman's turns, the vinegar aspect goes through the roof and you say, well, that's all right. We'll have that truck come in and we'll force it through these ultra fine filtrations. Reverse osmosis. Disassemble the wine, take out the things that we want to take out of it and then put it back and it'll all be fine. And right. is it ever fine? Not for me. <laughs> no. I mean, for the, for the general consumer would not maybe know it. But to me, the wine, it takes the soul out of the wine. Well, and, and wine has a soul. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I hear winemakers more and more over the last 10 years talk about is a wine having a sense of place. Um, and so when you start learning about these additives, and, and, and I mean, let's be, let's be clear. I have a list of things that can be added to wine and, and uh, water. And I think it, more in the Northwest, they do what's called water back, where the, the fruit's coming in a really high sugar level. So it, it sort of gets translated to higher alcohols, and so they'll water back. They'll add water to it, but still try and maintain flavor. Sulfur, uh, tartaric acid, color, concentrated grape juice. So if, you, if your alcohol's not oh, high enough, you you're, get the sugar. Uh, it's called mega red. Mega red. Mega, mega um, red and mega purple. Yeah, oak chips and then dust, which Sam turned me on to last week. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, I've never that they heard had that dust. before. That was amazing. Um, Sorry. I think a lot of people don't know about fining agents that possibly contain fish and or egg. Um, so if you're vegan, that's something that uh, people won't be aware of. Uh, also, bone filters. Bone. Yeah. bone mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Is charcoal even charcoal? an option? Charcoal. I mean, yeah. there are wineries that use ascorbic uh, acid. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's and the, yeah. was one I heard today was uh, there's a certain chemical to remove smoke taint. Which really? Which I, I think you know we had a what was that two thousand eight Anderson yeah, Valley yeah we've had or significant something. fires around yeah that, I mean yeah. we we've we've had fire the the first fire the first time there was smoke taint was probably the fire the Cavedale fire that people complained about it oh the ninety six um, ninety six yeah. that was the first time I remember it being talked about hmm. and at that point it was kind of like you know well what can that we was do August. It, August 96. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it, and it was a bad fire. I remember watching it take off and it just kept going quarter mile from um, my parents' house. Yeah. Yeah. Holy um, cow, what do you do at that point about uh, the fire? Or you, the yeah. You put sprinklers on your roof. Yeah. And hope. So, yeah. Yeah. God damn. Wait for the wind to change. Right. Well, you know, yeah. you but, but just to end the yes. thought about the, the smoke tank, I think they've tried a number of things because this has started happening. But yeah, there's, the, you know what? Better um, science through, you know, chemical analysis. I don't know, that didn't work well, you learn, right. you can learn a lot. But I want to go back to the hits and misses. Yeah. What, what caused the misses? 
You know, you can have a lot of hits. You get good fruit. It's handled correctly. Nothing bad uh, goes wrong. Life. Microbial activity. <laughs> right. Brett. Um, right. Brett. Uh, volatile acidity. Right. Um, the, the glass. Inc- incomplete the, the gla- fermentations. Yeah. The, and incomplete fermentations. Um, a a, a feeling of being too comfortable with the wine, like it tastes good. You know, I mean, there is a reason to run analysis on a wine to check its health. Um, but you don't have to take, tear the wine apart to dis- distinguish what its health is. You, now, can you tell a bottle that has been fined and filtered and had all these processes done to it? Can, can you taste it yourself? I, so, so when we do tastings at the winery, um, uh, we do finding trials where we have the wine as is. And then we have the wine with a small amount of egg white, and a little more egg white, and a little more egg white, or gelatin, or whatever it is. And when we have these tastings, the best way to do it, of course, is blind and totally mixed up so you have no basis. But ultimately, for me, I usually find that even though the, the fining may soften the wine, it may take care of a little bit of a rough edge on the wine, it strips it of something else also. It's soul. Yeah. It strips I like it. that rough edge I mean, when, when, yeah, that's nice. and, and that rough edge is what's going to develop it. It's the right. same thing about filtering. If you need to filter, filter because there's a reason to protect the wine so it's good every, every bottle. But if you don't have to filter it, why would you take something out of it? Because you, you, you lose something. You may fine it to take away the rough flavor, but you take away some of the aroma sometimes. And you take away some of the future of the wine. Well, that's my question about sulfur. Is it, is it, I mean, is it mainly used as a preservative? So you're basically banking on shelf life. It's only for the used wine. as a preservative. Right. That's the only thing sulfur So it's just, and it's, it's shelf life, it's, it's cellar life, barrel life. Right. Um, it's, it's, it, you talk about it as a preservative. I, I mean, it, what it does is it protects against microbial activity. Right. And, it protects and a, against the bad bugs. And a healthy wine. Well, if you get healthy grapes, you need less sulfur from day one. Right. Right. If you have a clean winery. And you have a clean winery and you have good winemaking practices. If you have, you know, dirty winemaking practices and you don't clean your equipment and you have old barrels that should be getting rid of, then you're going to probably have to use more sulfur to keep your wine lively and safe. And I think natural natural winemakers are now that, you know... some of them are saying not, not not to use any sulfur, but some of them are just minuscule parts per million. I mean, it's like ten or a hundred parts per million or something, just to sort of hedge their bets. But uh, but at the end of the day, does the consumer care though? Is what I want to know. I mean, they care about organic. Right? It looks like they're buying in that direction. Certainly, there's a mass market out there for everything. Well, and who do you got making these wines? You've got Dirty and Rowdy, right? Um, I think Donkey and Goat um, is making. Well, I, I mean, there's. Scolium so, project. So there, there, there's a whole bunch of these. I mean, I consider myself a natural winemaker, right. and I think Sam would say the same thing to some extent. I, um, because of my family history, and because I don't make wine like like Uncle Tony does. I, you know, I don't use just grapes. We use sulfur. We've added yeast when we have to. Um, I, I. I st- shy away from the label yeah, I mean, when people put me in that category i'm okay with it right um but you know 
well, look, kind I, of a purist in that sense that if it's a natural wine, for me, a natural wine has no sulfur, has had no commercial yeast, has had you know no other additives. Um, and most importantly, and this is the one that like when I see things that are out there that are called natural wines and don't have this aspect, it makes me mad. It has to be grown with organic grapes. It has to be organic grapes. Right. Otherwise, how can you make a wine you call natural that's coming from a vineyard where they're spraying Roundup and, and farming conventionally? Right. To me, that's the one that's like the absolute deal breaker. Um, you know, anything after that, anything outside of the vineyard, if, if you want to put it in the natural wine category, okay. You know, if you're using just a small amount of sulfur, you know, our, our wine uh, is... By the time we bottle it, it's less than 20 parts per million of, of free sulfur. It's actually enough that I wouldn't have to put sulfur added on my label. I do anyway because I, I think that's bullshit if you don't. Um, but, you know, so we're in that category. I, I don't claim it hard. Um, I'm in it when, when I'm put there. But if you don't have organic grapes... I don't, right. You don't deserve. You don't deserve to be there. I'll, 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 th- I'll throw that down. Yeah, and 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 I would agree. And and there, there is something about about that. When I was at Benziger, and we were quote unquote on the four, you know, the, the we were the leading biodynamic farmers or wine mate winery. Um, you would take great offense to people that said, "Oh, we use biodynamic pri- uh, biodynamic principles, principles yeah. but yet they don't do anything certified. No one's checking them." Right. And and part of it is uh, signing up for that. It's like right. saying, "I'm committed to this. You yeah. can check me." You gotta own it. And and you gotta own it. Right. And and you know, for myself, I can't buy organic grapes every year. I, I just haven't been able to afford it. We're I'd love to expensive. be able to. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd love to. And there's times where I can. And there's times where I can't. But what I'm consistent with is that in my winemaking practices, I've never had to filter a wine. I may someday, but I haven't had to. I've never added yeast. You're not doing I, you're, I, you don't do Velcron, do you? And I <laughs> Okay. Well, the, that'll be a whole nother story. But I missed that I mean, one. How about you, Brian? <laughs> yeah, that, you're gonna have to listen hard on that one on right, the podcast. There's right. no replays on that one or too too much of uh, pulling back the curtain yeah. on some wineries. Um, <laughs> But, but it's amazing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's my gist. It's a, for me. It's a. It's what I believe. It's. I, I don't market myself as a natural winemaker. If, like Sam says, if someone says, "Hey, you know, that's organically grown, and he doesn't use any processing," oh yeah, it's a natural wine. I go, yes, thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm certainly nowhere near being some of these darlings, and right. you know the the guys that uh, that's what they are. Right. And I've had some of those wines, and quite frankly, some of them just aren't very, aren't very good. You can say that. Yeah, we're on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. This isn't ca- we're not no, no, no. We're not on broadcast. They're, they're just not that good. And and that's some of the winemaking processes. Right. That you have doing. to you have to be good at it. And I would like to say that well, then time does you know time spent doing the winemaking does actually work. Right. Right. Because well, they're just younger than me and cooler. Well, well you work hard <laughs> at it. Now, um, you were bottling you're, you're this week. Cool. Um, how did the bottling go? Uh, you know, we bottled. So uh, last uh, last week we bottled at Lasseter Family Winery. Uh, we did about seventeen hundred cases. We did our Chemin de Fer, which is our uh, Rhone Grenache. I do blend. like that stuff. You know what it means? You know what Chemin de Fer means? I do. It means sexy cat. No, it's Iron Railroad. I used to, <laughs> I used to tell the servers at the Girl in the Fig. Sexy that, cat. Should we used to have the Chemin de Ferret. You know what that means? No, it means sexy cat. Make sure and share that with your guests. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, 
It sells. Doesn't it sound like sexy cat? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, when I Meow. I, I would have bought it until I started thinking about, you know, my my Latin root words and fair and iron and, you know, you started to... Bad kitty one. Bad kitty one. <laughs> it, would, it's, it would sell. I'm it sure that... I mean, I'm John sure. John and I are old enough to remember Shemenda Fair jeans. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, well, hey, like, the, I still have a pair of Levi's on. I never went for the, <laughs> you know... The, the brand no true religion for God. <laughs> but what were no, you guys? No, no. What were you guys bottling? You were so, bottling. so we bottled Chimenefer and we uh, bottled Paysage, which is the uh, Merlot-based um, blend, and uh, Porto style. Porto style, and we were done by eleven thirty. Um, At it's night, eleven thirty in the morning. Oh, we yeah, it took about uh, seventeen hundred cases by eleven thirty in the morning. Yeah, jeez, is that on a? You have a truck come in for we that? We have a truck come in. It backs That's a in. Big truck to do that many cases. In it the is. Morning. What time did you start? Uh, Eight o'clock. Wow, even then, just slightly earlier than wine makes. I know, I was talking about Sam doing one barrel a day being good. That's Is he just totally lazy, by, totally or are you guys <laughs> just really fast? No, it's mechanical. It's super it's lazy. Totally you turn mechanical. on the equipment, super and it lazy. runs itself. Hey, yeah. this bottling truck runs so fast that if I get off the forklift to address something else in the winery, they're out of glass, and they're yelling because... They need more glass, and they have to shut down. The wow, it's kind of like an IndyCar engine it, on that it, thing. It is. It's like an IndyCar. It's like a pit. It's like a pit. Um, a, a pit. Uh, pit stop. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. uh, a pallet is fifty plus cases. Fifty six cases. Fifty six cases. So, I mean, how many? What, what's we do, the we case do per about, minute? We do about um, five and a half pallets per hour. Yeah. It's a lot of wine. No, it's yeah. fast. And, and it's fast. You're doing it fast. You're paying for custom crush. Come in there. So, I mean, custom you, bottling. Yeah, you want yeah, yeah, you want you want it yeah. you want it to go correctly. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and you need done. it to go yeah. correctly and so it's busy for me because uh, you know, we're receiving glass, receiving labels, capsules, corks, um, the filtration truck comes in to the winery um and that's the day before and then the and then the bottling truck comes in and so at Lasseter we do filter all of our wines and julia prefers to use a cross flow filtration system um and so that happens very quickly and efficiently and um does a nice job um i like her she she seems to do a great job at what she does yeah, yeah very knowledgeable very nice yeah, yeah. And you guys um, store all that wine, all the, so everything that got uh, bottled up, you're storing it, or are you trucking it away? No, we store it. Yeah, then? we store it for about five or six days, and then w- uh, there's a warehouse over um, in American Canyon where we store ninety percent of the wine. Okay. So, and when are so can we talk about your Shannon Blanc? We can talk about my Shannon Blanc. So anyone that doesn't know, Bart Sell Bart did a uh, yeah. Bart did a Shannon Blanc, and and. Not from Clarksburg this year, Which but did something Which proves that you from. are kind of a young hipster kind of guy, making your Chenin Blanc. <laughs> I you claim that everything <laughs> comes back around is what it is. The, the first Chenin Blanc I made was in 2009, so I would say you're, they're all just catching you're just up. That's right. Catching up with <laughs> no, that's right. I'm just not as cool as and they it's are. And it's the uh, Buddhist blend. You got this. It's actually a Buddhist so monastery the, so where you the, got these grapes the from. Vines are, the vines are, um, I think they were planted in 1946. And they're organically grown Shannon Blanc in Ukiah, and the f- uh, it's owned now poor, by the. the poor family? Uh, I'm sorry. Is it the Poor Ranch? Uh, no, it's oh. um, it's Dharma Buddha. Dharma it's Buddha. It's on the Buddha's uh, uh, university that's up there. Um, Thank you, sir. So Ukiah, colder weather, basically. No, it's no, it's actually. Ukiah is hot. Is it hot? hot. It's hot. Ukiah is also yeah. haiku backwards, but that's neither here nor there. 
The only time I've ever been there is to uh, played football for St. Vincent's. About that, there, might, there might be something there for a label. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought we talked about this already. It's going to be called Buddha's Blend. Uh, no, you wanted Buddha's Blanc. Buddha, oh, God, Buddha Blanc. A, right. Yeah. No, and I thought right. that I like might that. be sacrilegious a little bit. To, so we just, also, but, Buddha is a slang name for another substance that we yes. grow here in California. Well, also, Buddha uh, <laughs> is nonviolent. So I don't think you have to worry about any, um, yeah. any blowback. So, so who, who brought the Sky 2012 Montfeder Napa well, Valley Syrah? We were talking about uh, natural wine. So we went with uh, a natural wine, natural wine making going on up at the top of uh, Mount Veter. Uh, Lori Old, somebody ah, actually nice. Okay. My parents helped farm there back in the day, um, and uh, they're connected to us. We we. Um, you know, help out there a little bit, and and uh, one of the guys who farms there is one of our foremen. Um, Very different than your Syrah. Yeah, yeah, no, much um, brighter, like re- real light red cherries. Well, and things. the irony is the irony of Mount Veter. Um, it's Napa Valley, yes, but it's it's on the cold side of the mountain. So you know, you've been up to to Cayman's property with mm-hmm. me. Um, you're, spot. you're about a mile from Sky Vineyards there, up over that hill. Yeah. Uh, Completely different climactically, you know, terroir, the, uh, uh, talking about a sense of place. Um, it's a cooler, wetter spot on that side of the hill than, than really a mile uh, to the west on the other side of the hill. So what you get is, you know, it's high elevation Napa Ooh. Valley, but it's essentially cool climate. Good, isn't it? Yeah, get but some... Is, uh, it, is it all Napa all, Valley? All spice. It's, it's all Napa Valley. It is it's, all it's Napa on, Valley. Well, so Napa Valley did something that Sonoma County didn't. Uh, if you are if your grapes are grown within the borders of Napa County, you can put Napa Valley on your label. So you know it's they could, do they say Mount Veter on the label too? Yes, they do. Say Mount Veter, Napa Valley. So within all the sub appellations of Napa, you're, you so Mount Veter is one. You say Mount Veter, Napa Valley. I do Oakville, Oakville district. The the technical term for the label is Oakville, Napa Valley. So Napa Valley owns that. Because anything that comes out of the county says Napa Valley on it, which is why one of the reasons why the you know the Napa marketing machine crushes us so regularly. It, but yeah. they set but, it up a long time ago, right. and it functions. It yeah. does. It's just Napa Valley, Napa Valley. I mean, this is quality. It, yeah, now, but it's also why I have to have Sonoma Valley, Sonoma County on my label. Right, which is... Uh, why, why, why we all do. You right. Know, and, um, you sound like that's a problem. I don't. I, I, I see that well, as saying that it's, it's wide open. We're very, very widely varied county. No, and I like that. It paints a picture. Yeah. Sonoma Valley. Sonoma, I mean, you're, you're picturing this valley. And to me, it sounds gets rhetorical. Out of, out, of the, uh, out of our bubble of wine label complaining about conjunctive labeling. Uh, right. You know, for us, yeah. For us, it's, it's um, why have it say Sonoma County when it already says Sonoma Valley or Sonoma Mountain. Um, it, it's, it's actually, it, it's, it's, but it it's is totally what like, it is it's now. Totally is this baseball the Vintners Association that's doing this? Uh, so it was the, the county, county Association, okay. which, you know, may have done it with or without the blessing of the Sonoma Valley Association. And here we're getting like deep into right. the politics of, yeah. of wine marketing associations. But it's interesting. There are politics. Oh, for sure. I mean, there are. For sure. Intense. Yeah, no, and, and you know, whenever you have an organization with lots of different people and different opinions. Um, oh, just ask Paso Robles. Yeah, exactly. What went on down there? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and for sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, really, uh, our our bosses are rich guys who win things, and so when they go up against each other, there's there's politics and competition. And they also, yeah. you know, they 
their one um, shining star really is their auction and what they do for kids and charities and things yeah, like that. County, yeah, and yeah. when you're when you're looking at these lots that these people are buying, it's absolutely amazing. I and mean, then you know they're kicking up a million and a half for this and a million for that and five hundred grand for this and this and this. They make a lot of dough. And and, and it does go to charities and that's a good a thing. Of, a yeah, absolutely. Candy, yeah. It really absolutely. does. So we should say good things about it. But nonetheless, you know, organizations. <laughs> say good things about trade organizations. Thank you, John, for bringing us back to <laughs> right. so that well, so that Bart and I don't have to. Side. I really don't care. I kept I, checking our I was rear just view ask, as we drive home. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, Bart. You've gotten away from the capsule. You mentioned the capsules were coming in with the labels and the and the glass and stuff. Uh, you don't use capsules on your no, sixteen six hundred yeah, sixteen boo. Um, no foil and no foil on on yours either. No, no, no I, foil on the top, and I like that. I think it's it's starting to make clean. a statement. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's I'm like, amazed at how many. Uh, it's almost it's a lot more common now um, than even like two or three cool. years ago. Yeah, yeah. than two yeah. or three years ago. And uh, for me, it was more a matter of logistics. I I, I didn't want to. I didn't have the money to pay for a foil that was printed, and the color that I wanted was still a special order, and so I I. I just went without it and my wife screamed about it how it looked unfinished no it looks great and and nobody cared and yeah. we're fortunate because with our label it it it's uh, you know a little more rustic and it just yeah, works. you have the kind of craft thing going to the, yeah. the craft well thing. i can craft, tell you from the service end the, the servers hate opening up foil <laughs> yes. and, and anyway what you're doing is you're you're presenting the label anyway you're never presenting the foil the foil is just something that ends up in your pocket at the end of the night you got a whole you got two pounds of of foil in your pocket yeah, you do. and the only complaint that i've ever heard and steve uh, law mentioned it last week was that people that are cellaring wines when they're laying wines down that they can't tell what it is from looking at Get the tags. because normally you got a little logo on the end of your foil but if you do little, your corks right or like wax. sam does sam does a little red wax uh, on the end so you can always I, yours have dates yours have red wax but i just right. found an 08 that has a capsule on it a from capsule you. And, uh, and yeah no date yeah, no, no date. it's like the hell is well, this thing there? I, took me a while to <laughs> refine our our whole process. Really, the package. Yeah. The I mean, trust me, I yeah. I still have uh, about a thousand two thousand nine corks that I have no use for. Someday I'll make birdhouses yeah. of it because I blew my order. Our, so our projects are Dane for <laughs> yeah, there you yeah. Go. Yeah. So you know, I, I I do the I do the vintage date on the end because. Uh, my boss at Kenwood, my first job, he felt that was an important thing, and I, I, I respected so I, that. Actually, um, yeah. so I, I will yeah, always you can never reuse them. You can no, never you, reuse you can't. Them. And uh, you order too many. But I always buy a thousand with no date, and then I figure that's just what Terry and I'll drink. So yeah, home consumption. <laughs> I did open that 03, You know, last week I talked, and we'll finish up here. Um, but last week we were over at Steve Laws, and I was talking about how to mistreat. 50 bottles of silver oak over the years well we were down to two bottles in 03 and in 06 and opened the 03 and it was once i got it open it was just fine but the cork was didn't make it to dinner i'll tell you that john does not have an osso at his house so he's what? he's shredding corks i am i am <laughs> right and then what are you doing you're running it through a coffee filter no no i just did i got it out okay drink you know? cork john's <laughs> it's good for you it's, it's uh Fiber, man. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to order uh, Osso's and give away my next wine club shipment. I like that idea. Look at you, Shannon Blanc and Osso's. That. He is a hipster now. He's, 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 he's taking he's it back. doing the throwback. So. 
Throwback Thursday do you have, on a do Monday. You have only one gear on your bicycle. You're you're riding a fixie, aren't you? Yeah, it's a Schwinn. <laughs> no, no, I'm a multitasker. Everything's got to have two have two uses. You are a wine. You're a winemaker, so you, you like to have well. Your, your and gadgets. and this goes out to my buddy Jason Weiner. Uh, used to work at my ad agency in Chicago. Kid just got doored down in San Jose. Broken right hand, right arm, uh, left foot, uh, bike trashed, lots of cuts and things like that. The door didn't look as good as he did. But just watch people riding bikes. We're in a bike-friendly society these days. So send him a bottle of wine to get well. Yeah, no kidding. He needs it. <laughs> well, and remember so. that share of the road goes both ways, too. It does. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but Bart, you're out there. Um, Man, you're, you're always riding. You're doing the big rides. There's... So. Um, I'm always amazed at what assholes bike riders totally. are <laughs> But we, we're on those roads, though, the, the Bennett Valley and Warm Springs, where you got the guys riding in the middle of the road. Yeah, Trinity. Right. Yeah. If they're going downhill, it's one thing, but they're going uphill. <laughs> yeah, they down, get downhill, they're hey, going faster than me. More power to them if they're going uphill, and I couldn't do it. So, uh, Did you get all your questions uh, about natural wine answered? Okay, you know, I think it was a good start. I yeah, think, we could um, go on that one for a while. Let's, yeah, yeah. We'll come back to that one for sure. It's a Pandora's right. box. Yes. Yeah. Well, then, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we are the winemakers with Bart Hansen, Sam Katuri, Brian Casey. I am John Myers, and you can find us everywhere. You found us on iTunes. You found us on Radio Misfits. And we will have a couple of weeks. We're going to have Ed Sulla come out here from the Podcast Network in Chicago. Special guest. Is he going to bring Artie Lang with him? <laughs> I, 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 How about the dishing bitches? The dishing I think we can, we can get everybody out here if we want. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week on The Winemakers. The preceding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you.